0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the uh, June 17 meeting of the Astoria City Council. Roll call, Chief Baldwin. Councilor Herman? Here. Here. Councilor Brownson? Here. Councilor West? Here.
1: Councilor Rock? Here. Here. Reports of the councilors. Councilor Herman. Great. Um, well, I attended a reception and dinner for two naval ships that were in town on June 5th at the Elks Ballroom, and that was a lot of fun. I was able to participate with Councilors West and Brownson, as well as Mayor Jones, in the Pride Parade last Saturday or a week ago Saturday, um, which was great fun. The council had an invigorating and productive productive discussion during our work session last Thursday, talking about housing specifically, the Countywide Housing Study, as well as the I think almost finished town Reborn plan, um, and then I'm really looking forward, not to steal Director Pearson's thunder, but I'm really looking forward to the kickoff of the 10th Street Stage Summer Concert Series this Wednesday with one of my favorite bands, the Brownsmeat Plats from 6 to 7.30. Um, the street is blocked off, shut down between Duane and Exchange Street so you can dance. It's a lot of fun. They're juicy cookies, and Great family fun. <coughs> this weekend, of course, is the Scandinavian Midsummer Festival. And finally, I'll be having my third Meet the Counselor event a week from Wednesday, the 26th, from 4.30 to 6 in the flag room at the library. So I'd love it if you want to show up. But as always, you're always welcome to meet with me at another time. Just let me know. Thank you, Council Brownson. Thank you. Um,
2: so yes, the, great, the pride right was a lot of fun. We had city banner, and so they knew who we were, and what we represented, and why we were there uh, in support. And um, and again, I'll second the work session. It was, uh, I think it was very productive. We had three hours where we talked about Union County Reborn and plus County Housing Study, uh, both of which, particularly the housing study, gave us some. Pretty good insights. I've been to a couple of presentations uh, of that study, but they were just presentations to the, one was with the Classic County, and it really didn't have a lot of detail to it. It was just an overview. So to be able to dig in and for them to provide us with more detail, more recommendations, uh, more things to think about, and uh, it was really helpful, I think. And, And then finally, I will have a meet-the-counselor event. I've been having it on the third Saturdays at 9 o'clock at three cups of coffee, and I'm going to change up. And uh, I'm actually going to have it at the flag room at the library this Friday at noon,
3: noon to 1.30. So um, I hope we'll see how that works
2: out, and see if we can get more people to come down and discuss what's going on in the city. So that's all I've got. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely
4: uh well um, i had a great time at the pride parade as well actually the entire pride weekend uh, there was just a whole lot going on and that same weekend was also loony's weekend and i want to thank chief spaulding and the chamber as well for helping that go uh, incredibly smoothly i talked to the residents up in that neighborhood before and after and they both felt like it went they were prepared for the worst and um They said everybody that I spoke with said it went really well. So it was uh, a collaborative effort that I really appreciated in in protecting those residents' privacy. Um, Also, uh, last week I got to go up to the watershed with Public Works Director Jeff Harrington and Nathan Crater, and that was one of the coolest days I've ever had. In that story, it was amazing. I think it was. The weather was record hot that day, which I loved, so it was um, fantastic to see the watershed and then get a tour of the Public Works departments and meet some people in facilities. Um, Ironically, there were two Public Works employees sitting behind me at the Blind Pilot Show. I wasn't bartending at it. I got to watch some of the music, so that was really cool. Um, And yeah, I'll just reiterate how you useful the, the housing work session was for me. I've read uh, all of those appendixes twice, um, and it's data that I feel like the council really needs to figure out the type of housing um, that we need and why. Um, and also, I, I left with a much better understanding of what's going on in Uniontown, so I lived there for about 13 years, and um, I no longer do, so I am no longer up on what's happening with it. And I, I felt like that work session was really useful in, uh, in educating me on, on what's happening at that end of town. Um, and lastly, I'll just mention that I also have a meet and greet, another one this Thursday um, at 4.30 at Oliver Hall. And I've posted it just about everywhere I can think of. But I'm, I'm hoping there was a great group that came last time. And, and I hope for the same this week.
0: Thank you,
5: Councillor Rodney. Well, our agenda packet for tonight ran something close to 300 pages. And it's something like uh, having to read War and Peace for each council meeting, (laughs) (laughs) but having to understand it well enough that you can vote on it. (laughs) So we may complain about that, but also recognizing the amount of work that goes into the agenda packet. Um, My wife, Jan Mitchell, who used to be a city planner, said, Rosemary deserves something more than a thank you. So, Rosemary, those are for you.
3: Oh. <laughs> and,
5: and I really appreciate uh, the fact that you were so careful with the agenda packet and read all your department works where you make it as understandable as you can, and you highlight and you can everything so that we have no excuse for really not getting it. And, and I in terms of things, since the last uh, council meeting, I've attended a few board meetings. And it's, been, it's an interesting time for the board commission. They uh, they heard uh,
3: some some pretty challenging reports from their own uh, ad hoc finance committee, and
5: then from Mary MacArthur of COPAC, who's drafting their strategic plan. And then in another meeting, uh, three out of the five commissioners discussed whether it was time to replace their uh, executive director. And I just wanted to let everybody know that Tomorrow night is when our next meeting is, and they will be taking up those questions tomorrow night. And uh, the regular meeting starts at 4, and uh, they're going to have a special session at 6 to discuss the executive directors. Um, I represented the city uh, at the Crest budget meeting recently, and that will be finalized by the Crest Board on Wednesday. I helped out at a congratulatory dinner for the young people who are graduating from the Astoria High School Alternative Education Program, a great school. We have a nice feed for them and that pretty well. Uh, I attended a talk by economist Ernie Needy about the effects of big timber in Classic County. Uh, enjoyed another work session with my council colleagues last week. A uh, very presentation organized by Congressman Bonamici at the Barber Center uh, about some of the threats of ocean warming. And uh, then attended a concert at Councilor Herman's home to kind of get away from council business for a while. And then another one the next day at Circle Creek uh, by the North Coast Chamber Orchestra, which was done for the North Coast Land Conservancy and got to hike some of their trails down there afterwards. So if you haven't been to Circle Creek, it's a great place. It's replaining what it was farmland and turning it back into what it was before we all got here. Uh, and it's pretty a beautiful place
3: with some great trails. That's it.
5: Thank you. I guess the difference
0: between the agenda packet and War in Peace is, I finished the agenda packet. <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they're going to make a movie of it. No one's going to watch it. And so, uh, in light of our uh, schedule tonight, I'll simply say uh, ditto Councilor Herman and Councilor Rocca's uh, Congresswoman Bonavici, ocean acidification and ocean warming panel. It was a busy couple of weeks. And, uh, Changes to the agenda, Could we take item six, uh, our final item, 6G, and move that to the front, Mr. Estes, because I think we have Ms. <laughs> uh, Steele, a very busy county manager, and uh, her counterpart are here, and I hate to make them wait for two hours to get to their agenda topic, so we'll move that up. Um, uh, consent calendar, uh, the items on the consent calendar are considered routine and will be adopted by one motion unless a member of the city council requests to have an item considered separately, members of the community may also have an item removed if they contact the city manager by 5 p.m. the day of the meeting. And I understand there has been a request
6: by a citizen? Yes, Pamela Matson mcdonald had asked this item to come on, one item to come off the agenda, I understand, through a request uh, through the Parks Director. Uh, she said she wished to testify about that tonight. She's shaking her head now. However, if you wish to testify, that item needs to come off the consent agenda, Ms. Mattson-McDonald. Then the the item needs to come off the consent agenda. So that item Uh, is um, item 5B, authorization to award contract to Greensmith uh, Landscapes for landscaping services at tourist-related sites. Okay. I didn't do that. Um, I I understood that you wanted to testify about that, correct? Yes. And and so when you made the statement to our parks director that you wanted to testify about that, then that, that necessitates the item to come off the consent calendar. Because we don't take testimony unless there's a request from a citizen or the, the council. Um, We're doing as you asked, Ms. Ms. Masson Okay, thank you.
3: <laughs> All right, and uh, counselors, are there any
0: items you wish you or when you consent? All right, then could we have a motion to approve items A and C through E of the consent calendar? I right, move we accept
5: the consent calendar items A, C, D, and E.
0: Okay, roll call vote. Uh, Chief Crutchfield. Only a motion is second. Oh, so do we do a second? Yeah, we got a second. Second, okay, okay. Councilor Hartman? Aye. Councilor Branson? Aye. Councilor Glass. Aye. Councilor White?
2: Aye. And
7: Mayor
6: Jones? Aye. Okay, consent calendar item 5B. So through the 2019-20 budget, the council has designated funds to continue the practice of contracting with landscaping companies for the care and maintenance of tourist-related properties that would enhance their beauty and allow them to be cared for at a higher standard. After soliciting bids to local landscaping companies, Greensmith Landscapes LLC has provided a bid of $86,972.64 for the services which were outlined in the city council packet. A solicitation of bids was advertised in the newspaper and was sent to several other companies. Seven D's was the only other respondent and provided a bid of $102,910. It is recommended that city council approve the landscape services contract for tourist related sites with Greensmith Landscaping LLC in the amount of $86,972.64. Any
0: council discussion? Any public discussion? Mm -hmm. If you'd like to speak to this issue, you please come to the podium, give your name and address and you'll have three minutes.
8: I would like to have this renamed as, <coughs> excuse me, the River Walk from Astoria Megler Bridge to Alderbrook. On uh, the Astoria River Walk, Megler Bridge to Astoria. There's no bridge in, a, in Alderbrook, but I would like it to be named River Walk from Astoria Megler Bridge to Alderbrook. For the River Walk, it's more sensible. Thank you. Thank
6: you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think it's actually from plans. No, actually the, so staff, staff, staff doesn't understand Mrs. Max McDonald's concerns. She's had conversations with Approximately several several individuals today, and so we're we're not we don't understand her concern is that we we so I I'm I I don't know what to say. Yeah, I guess I'd be willing to ask what
2: were the references that you're talking well, about specifically, and, and um, is it well? When I read this,
9: it
8: was said Astoria Riverwalk Megler. <coughs> to Alderbrook, and I said, there's no Megler Bridge to Alderbrook. And it was very confusing. Oh no, actually,
0: so it's, the, the the wording in the document we have is yes. the Astoria River Walk, comma, located along the... But there's the,
8: no comma when I downloaded it.
0: Okay. Located along the Columbia River from... Let me just finish the sentence, and then... Yeah. Located along the Columbia River from the Megler Bridge to the entrance of Alderbrook Lagoon.
8: Well, that's your packet, but
0: it's not—it's not the one that I got from the. Okay. Well, if you had a, an earlier version, I um, yeah. apologize for that. So yeah. this is the version that we have, and that will be voting. On. Okay. So thank you very
8: much sure. for revising that. I appreciate that. So. Only
6: thing I would say is maybe if she's looking at hmm, that when what she is referring to is the is the the table which is in the back, which says Astoria, Riverwalk, Megler Bridge to Alderwood Lagoon. So that is what, she's no, referred, right. what she is referring right. to. The table's more of a shorthand version. Right, and so, but what was described in the body of the staff report is descriptive in, in staff's opinion.
9: Could we have a motion to approve the item?
2: Uh, I would like to move to approve authorization to award the contract to Greensmith Landscape for landscaping services at tourist related sites. I'll second that. And uh, roll call vote, Mr. Harrington. Councilor Herman? Aye. Mr. Bronson? Aye. Mr. West? Aye. Mr. Aye. Your Aye. And, and if I may, i just like to make a, a quick comment after, after the fact that it's last year, <coughs> um, we had 7 bids came in and <coughs> bid uh, a better price than um, uh, GreenSmith, and GreenSmith had had the previous contract. So it's interesting they were able to come back and with with a good price this year to uh, beat these. And I, I remember there were some concerns because we were hiring somebody that was sort of not completely of the area, and now we're back here. And so that's good, and that's great, and, uh, and they did do a good job for us
6: want to take that. Okay, thank you. Item 6A. Item 6A uh, is dealing with the amendment request A19-04 for mis- miscellaneous code issues associated with the city's development code. I, I do want to note that um, I had a request from a counselor earlier about some differences in nomenclature for, uh, with regards to our codes. Uh, that we have a development code uh, which is our zoning ordinance. And we also have what we call our city code. Um, other jurisdictions may call it their municipal code, which is a suite of different codes or um, or laws which deal with a whole host of issues that range throughout all of the various departments. Um, and the reason why we have two separate codes is the uh, the development code or zoning ordinance um, has um, a different, a set of uh, procedures and processes especially with regards to amendments and that those those need to follow uh state of oregon land use laws and so they're they're two separate uh documents um, um the the city code has does have reference uh, to the development code um but uh there are two separate ordinances in in their entirety just a bit of and
1: clarification on that city manager estes does the development code also always deal with land use matters? Yes. Okay, thank you. Yes, yes, so it's it's it's,
6: it's our whole uh, set of codes which deals with uh, zonings, land division, everything that would be associated with land use or, or kind of tied to that. Okay. So um, this set of miscellaneous code amendments that uh, went before the city council at your June 3rd uh, City Council meeting, um, had its first reading after a public hearing. So tonight it's uh, the council's... Uh, I already forgot that I asked to move the
0: last item up to the front. So okay. Can we go ahead and do that?
3: You may.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so we'll, we'll do blaze uh, last, as we say. In, uh, uh, we'll go to item 6G. Rate review for
6: year end December 2018 Solid Waste Collection and Transfer Station activities. Okay. So the city's franchise agreement for ecology requires submission of financial statements and a separate rate review for both solid waste collection and transfer station franchises no later than April 30th of this year, and Recology did that. So as you may recall, uh, Recology requested and received approval from City Council a rate modification effective January 1st. 2019 for commercial and residential collections with a commitment to forego adjustments until July 2020 for the collection operations. So um, in the uh, body of the staff report, it has information with regards to the operation ratio range and uh, the analysis that uh, that, uh, was provided that our finance director, Susan Brooks, concurred with uh, with that assessment. There was also a recommendation for an internal disposal rate increase of uh, 3%. And uh, there was further documentation provided by Mr. Carl Peters, who is here tonight, uh, which highlights the need for the internal rate increase as it uh, deals with the construction of a permanent household hazardous waste collection facility, uh, which is uh, starting right now. It's a project which is being coordinated by the Plasma County Public Health Department. So the new uh, rates would be come effective July 1st, 2019. And these rate adjustments have been included in other rate considerations for other Classic County jurisdictions who utilize the transfer station. However, as noted earlier, there will be no rate increase proposed for Astoria residents. So Carl Peters from Recology as well as representatives from Classic County are here to present and answer any questions that you may have. So it's recommended that council consider the resolution to include the 3% increase for the internal disposal rates and public self-haul rates for the Astoria Transfer Station to be effective July 1, 2019. And I think, Carl, um, you're wanting to give an initial overview, correct? Yes, I would. If yours was so thorough, I can probably cut my (laughs) number.
7: Value it, to, to get it into record. And I know there's some new faces up here, so I'll go quick and be brief, recognizing that there's a lot of other things probably covered tonight. Three quick things i like everybody to know about Recall. One, we're 100% of employee-owned company. We think that drives and, and makes a big difference in the pride that our employees take and the things that they do because they are owners of, a, of this company. Uh, of those employee-owner shares, 60% of them are owned. Uh, by minorities or women. So we're very proud of the diversity that we have as a company. And we think, again, that's a big strength of ours. Third thing, we're a resource recovery company, which is just a fancy way of saying we're a recycling company, not a landfill company. And when we start having conversations about recycling, we think it's important to know that uh, those inherent conflicts that might exist if we were a landfill company don't don't exist with us because that's not how we make, we make our money or how we plan our business. I think the most important thing I can tell everybody about recycling, it's continuing and it's not being disposed of in a landfill. There's a lot of news stories out there saying a lot of troubling things, um, but recycling is still happening, certainly in Astoria, certainly in every franchise that we take care of uh, in the uh, state of Oregon. Um, on behalf of a constituent of one of the counselors, I reached out and asked our, uh, our processor, which is Pioneer Recycling in Portland. I said, since all this China national story and all this news has come out, are you throwing more recycling away? And his answer was simple, quick to the point, no. I said, what's changed? He goes, nothing, we're just doing a better job of pulling out all the stuff that was never supposed to be there in the first place. And we said, good, we're really happy to hear that. And said, where is it going to? And he let us know where all the material's being shipped. A lot of it is going domestic and we're still seeing more mills, that are probably coming years. Um, so but that wishful recycling, so that's probably the biggest challenge they have. Um, we've uh, started rolling out our walk posters, stickers, oh shoot, I forgot my Neat Million Yard sign back there, um, that are available for folks if they really want to help advertise and drive people to that website. because uh, We
3: want to help them keep promoting
7: it and we'll keep doing it through social media as well. We also did send out a uh, tripod to all the residents. It's really important, again, to get very simple, straightforward recycling tips out there. I think, as we mentioned, we want to remind folks on the yardways, if it grows, it goes. So we wanted to keep talking about that to try to drive more of that material into the bins and not from the trash. I have a note to remind myself to let folks know if you didn't get one of these, we did have one batch that we thought was inventory and somebody looked at it, crap, they got mailing labels on it, so our apologies. But they're all out, and if you haven't gotten one, you should be getting it. Today next day or two or four In um, addition, uh, a reminder of, of uh, upcoming availability of the smaller bins for the cycling and yard waste. Um, you know, we'd like to see that participation rate get over 70% and stay, up, and stay up a little higher. And so we're hoping those additional bins will make that easy, maybe for some folks that passed on it because they didn't want to deal with the size of those bins. So as soon as we're clear about the delivery of those we will also send that note out as well to let folks know that they're available. Okay. HB 2020, I think everybody heard that pass. You know, people are real happy or they're very sad, uh, but that's the uh, statewide bag ban. And as promised, we did order 7,000 reusable bags for the residents of the city of Astoria. Uh, I'm Not clear yet on the delivery date. And I, once we know that, then we gotta kind of figure out, well, how do you distribute those? I'll so, be honest with you, I, I don't have that figured out. Uh, whether it's through stores or through events when Rhonda's working but we'll, we'll get to work on that but bottom line is we want to make sure that they're here and that they're available uh, for the residents um, and October 12th is our art show so mark your calendars it's a great neat recycled art event show so is there any question about recycling sorry I tried to go quick you might full of time but so I'm glad you brought that
5: up because I think
7: was a question many of us had there's still a point, and that's doing the separation of so on. Yep, there is. There, there is, an end that's still getting shipped out. It's just slower and costs a little bit more. Uh, but again, social, environmental. There, there are just so many reasons to continue doing it. And uh, this says a lot about communities' and the commitment to do those things. Um, I'm, oh no, go ahead, Carl. I can wait. I was just going to go ahead and uh, talk real quick then about the uh, transfer station uh, rate review and. Uh, I think he kind of covered most of my points, but I'm gonna put these on just so I don't miss state something. Um, as you know, we currently pay class of county 350 per ton on inbound trash from all sources uh, to fund the HHW collection program. And with the construction of a permanent facility uh, point nearing completion, sometimes like we'll hear about that, the county requested that we increase that surcharge to $5 per ton, effective July 1, 2019. So this will increase the. Uh, this will be applied to the trash delivered by your ecology trucks, as well as trucks operated by Warren and Camp Cralia. And again, as uh, as, uh, as mentioned, we've sent all those notices out to everybody. They know about it, or they've been presented to those city councils, and those have all been approved. Um, we are proposing a rate change, I red set of three percent to our internal disposal rates. It's kind of an odd thing, but because. We have this when we do a rate review. We say, "Hey, internally, we're going to adjust how we're charging ourselves." And primary driver of that is because of this three dollars and fifty cent change. And you know, we're also planning to adjust the public self haul rates by about three three and a half percent. Again, same thing as a result of that increase. But to be clear, and you know, I think people see that collection piece down there. The rates for collecting residential trash, recycling yard waste, and glass. And after your businesses are not changing, they're not changing. It just has to do with our internal numbers and these external
1: trucks that are coming in and those stuff all I have a quick question. Is there an easy way to go onto your website and find out what's being picked up which week? I was just trying to <laughs> figure out when glass is being picked up and I couldn't find it, but your staff was very helpful on
7: the phone. Well, I'm really glad and, you know, like a lot of companies, somebody that, one of our offices had an idea that they could make our site look a little
1: simpler it didn't quite work out that way. Well, it's beautiful. The best, <laughs> the best place to simply find it, honestly, is go straight to Facebook and put it in College of Western Oregon. Oh, I didn't and think of that. Every month, we, we throw the new calendar up there. Oh, it's great. Right. I'll let people know that yeah. as well as myself. Yeah, and then, yeah. Um, they just, built it to me and <laughs> nice. I And I'm just wondering, you know, if you're still recycling or selling out recyclables, how come other companies aren't doing that? Why are there all these new stories?
7: In all fairness, uh, to correct what you just said, we don't sell very much of our recycling anymore. We pay to have it process that. Oh, now. Oh, that's Now, that includes okay? some materials. There's still some things that have uh, value, but for a lot of folks, the value doesn't sometimes cover necessarily the cost of transporting it to where you have to get it to. Uh, so things like uh, cardboard still has some mm-hmm. value to at. Okay. Glass uh, has some value depending where you're at, but then, too, it also depends on who you have your relationship with and how good they are and what they do, and we're just very fortunate to be associated with a company that does a great job of managing the string that we give them and uh, they're able to continue to market. I think some of these places that they have challenges with, I, I know one that I can think of, but I won't say where because my phone will ring tomorrow, but our manager uh, on one side of the freeway went to city council, heard much in the way that I did, and said, what would you like us to do? You know, this is what it would take to continue to recycle. We think it's the right thing. And the city said, yeah, we agree. We want to keep doing this. Some places, they don't ask that question. They just go, look, it's easier to just not do it or to throw it away. Um, sometimes it has to do with how they store it. Uh, and for what the material might be if they store it outside and gets wet, it doesn't have value, so they might have to mm-hmm. throw it away for that reason. Um, but I can't speak necessarily to why some places have a challenge. We just know we're fortunate to have a good processor that has still been able to move our materials for us.
1: Great, thank you. Thank you very much. Well.
2: Yeah, just, just real quick. So I've. I You say that that, um, Pioneer Recycling is doing a a really good job at separating out the stuff that shouldn't be in there. I'm wondering, because I know there's also been, you've been trying to emphasize for consumers, in this case contributors, um, to do a better job of sorting. Have you seen that improving? Has the product been better that you're receiving? Or is it still? It's still got its challenges.
7: you know, doing things like this we think will help um, and the more mainstream it becomes. Um, it, it, you know, believe it or not, I know some folks don't like bag bans. I, I think I mentioned it the last time I spoke from the city council when I think the result of the bag ban meeting that we had here. Uh, these sorting facilities like Pioneer, um, most of them would tell you that 20% of their labor is spent pulling plastic bags. All right. Um, and so, like our material that we get out of McMinnville where they've had a bag ban for a couple of years. I mean, you can visually walk in and go, wow, that looks better. There's not as many plastic bags around it. So, I would tell you, it's it's well, slow, it's getting there. Uh, you know, a lot of these stories, it does get people's attention. The fact that I know some city council are getting calls telling me people care. They're trying to do better. Um, I think they have a hard time with some of these plants still trying to sort out and I've said this before, still can't figure out why people throw diapers into a recycling container, dirty mm-hmm. diapers on my head, and say that it's recycled. I don't know, but it happens sure. a lot. And garden yeah. houses the other And in my experience, I,
2: I, can have, I can see three, you know, a can for bottles, a can for trash, and a can for recycling. This isn't yours. This is just in a facility. And what people throw in the recycling is amazing. It's like, well, it looks like paper. I'll throw it in there. And it just, they, they put all sorts of stuff that doesn't go in there. So it is still that ongoing education process. And I wanted to make a, a quick comment on the plastic bag. There's a lot of discussion about whether plastic bags, you know the economy of plastic bags, reusable versus throwaway. And I don't care where anybody comes down on that argument. I do know that when I walk down the river walk or around my house or around the riverfront, I see plastic bags disposable plastic bags all over the place. And I do not see reusable plastic bags of any kind on the side of the street. And that's a big difference. You can argue the economics, but the disposable ones, they end up everywhere. I think I, you know, I mentioned that you know, they find microplastics everywhere now. If you want, you're
7: on the beach. You probably don't even know they're there, but the microplastics are there. And uh, there are even cities wastewater treatment plants are starting to report microplastics in okay. the mm-hmm. city right. water. Um, you know, again, just me personally, uh, I, I think that you know, we have an addiction to single-use plastics. And, you know, me, I, Rhonda's done a fantastic job at our offices, kind of walking around going, no, we're not going to do this. How if We're going to present ourselves this way. We have to act that way. Sure. So kudos to, to Rhonda. Uh, I'm still struggling with it at home, half the things I buy. my might get
2: those things, instead flossing, like crap. why do you do that? <laughs> and, and, and just a couple of other things. So the yard signs, are we allowed to put up those yard
6: signs?
3: So that makes You can have
6: small signs like that in, in, in you can have some small signs like that in residential zones. It's, that, something like that would be a. I, I a stick little. one in my yard. Probably yeah, like
7: yeah. Okay. And then, you <laughs> the compost, Bins, the smaller ones, how small are the small ones? So the small ones are going to be 60 gallons as opposed to the 90 gallons. Also. Okay, I
2: remember when I was in New York City, they have little compost buckets for the, the waste and they were actually, you know, the A just enough for, yeah, not you no know, yard be but the, the kitchen debris. Right? So, okay, thank you. Thank you. Are there any other comments?
8: Can I just say thank you? That that um, <laughs> and that your the thing you, that you mailed out this year was really helpful. Thank you. But we yeah. have it posted. I read it. I showed it to him. I'm like, here, this helps us. It makes it a lot easier. So, so uh, it was really helpful. And I'm yeah. really glad to know about the Facebook page yeah. because yeah. I too have, <laughs> I have struggled. So it's good to know that we can just print that calendar. Out. I, I do too. I'm concerned. Yeah. My neighbors <laughs> always look at me. Try to go, when, what a week it is. I but the do. same thing every time I've called to ask. They've been great about being able to tell us exactly what and when. So it's really helpful.
7: And my last comment is your collection rates at home and at your businesses are not going up.
8: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yay. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Can I
4: just add something really quick for her? I don't want to steal yeah. my thunder but um, More you can go to the Clatsophe County uh, website and uh, the classic County Health Department Facebook page and watch the construction of the household hazardous waste facility, it is getting exciting because there actually are walls going up now, and so uh, we're being optimistic that hopefully come August, uh, it will be open and ready for so. you.
0: Thanks, Ms. Dillon. Mike, did you need to say anything also? Or is that uh, let's see. Uh,
10: I highly recommend Mike McNichol, Hudson County Public Health Director. Uh, I would definitely recommend going to our website. We have a chronology from last October to now, and uh, I go out here every week and snap pictures and say, good job guys. And uh, we're getting real close to having it done. So, uh, And more on the reason why we asked for the, the internal fee. Um, you know, when we started this project 10 years ago, the cost of doing it was about half of what it is now. And uh, because of the place we put it on, the landfill, back then didn't realize what exactly we were up against. And now with all the stuff we had to do, the cost was quite a bit higher. Um, operating the household housing waste facility too is going to be fairly expensive. And after calculating out the $3.50 surcharge wasn't going to cover it, we want to make sure we have our cost covered so that people can bring those things in for free. That's the goal. So we realized there's a lot of pent-up need. We're going to plan for that in August and we're going to have some big events So that we can like the stuff that's been out there. I know I've fielded dozens of phone calls about it, so um, we'll be ready. Right great, thank you very much. Thanks.
6: Thank you. You're mm-hmm.
0: All right, so if we could have a motion.
2: I would like to move um, that uh, the resolution to include a 3% increase for the internal disposal rates and public self-haul rates for our
10: storage transportation be uh, approved.
1: I'll second that motion.
10: Roll call, Mr. Williams. Councilor Rockett? Aye. Councilor West?
2: Aye.
1: Councilor
2: Brownsey? Aye. Councilor Aye. Mayor Jones? Aye.
0: Okay, and now we'll go back to item 6A, Second Reading and Adoption and Request A19-04 for Miscellaneous
6: Issues. Okay, so I was uh, just noting a little bit about the difference of the development code versus the uh, city code a little bit earlier, but on June 3rd, 2019, the council held a public hearing on the proposed amendments for the miscellaneous development code issues and conducted a first reading of the ordinance. Therefore, uh, if the draft code meets the council's expectations, it would be order for the council to hold a second reading and adopt the findings of fact and ordinance for the miscellaneous code of amendments. Um, Ms. Johnson, is here, if there are any questions.
0: Well, first I'll ask for the second reading, and we'll have a discussion and, uh, and a vote. So, can we have a second reading, Mr. Pearson?
2: An ordinance amending the story of the development code concerning miscellaneous corrections, updates, and interpretations in multiple sections citywide
0: thank you council discussion
5: i think we we discussed this pretty thoroughly at our last meeting so uh, i have nothing to add okay. someone like to make a motion
0: and i, I can well i'll make the motion because i have the language in front of me I move that the Estuary City Council adopt the findings and conclusions contained in the staff report and adopt the ordinance amending the Estuary Development Code. I'll second. Okay, roll call, Mr. Pearson. Councillor Herman. Sorry, Herman. Aye. Councillor Brownson. Aye. Councillor West. Aye. Councillor Walker. Aye. Mayor Jones. Aye. And uh, the city council's ruling may be appealed by any person withstanding by filing a notice of intent to appeal with the Oregon Land Use Board of Appeals, LUBA, within 21 days after the council has made its decision. If an appeal is not filed with LUBA within the 21 day period, the decision of the city council shall be final. Item 6B is public hearing and first reading amendment request A19-01 alpha for riverfront vision codes. So the, plan,
6: the Planning Commission held a public hearing on March 26th and April 23rd, 2019, regarding these code issues. The Planning Commission has recommended the City Council adopt the proposed amendments on the part of, on part of the request, um, and that is the reason for the uh, alpha designation at the end of the, the case request. There will be a beta request. Uh, be for uh, the next set of code amendments which should be coming to you, I'm guessing, in August. So other items dealing with height of buildings and gross square footage are still being discussed at Planning Commission and should not be discussed at this meeting. And we'll note that Ms. Johnson will provide some clarification as there was some reference to this issue in the Planning Commission findings, Uh, but uh, we'll provide a little bit more clarity uh, on the topic for the council and maybe some clarification and findings that may be recommended for a second reading. So tonight, if the draft code meets the council's expectations, it'd be in order for the council to hold a public hearing and conduct a first reading of the ordinance for the Riverfront Vision Code amendments. I'm gonna ask Ms. Johnson to continue on with the uh, presentation of the staff report. Okay, Uh, let's
11: see, we should have, there we go, okay, so, The the planning commission looked at the entire Riverfront Vision plan overlay zones based on the issues that came up during the uh, first big review of a Riverfront Vision project with the Fairfield Hotel. And if you remember, there were clarifications that needed to be made and uh, some interpretations of various codes and the council on an appeal had problems with some of the language which was not clear or concise to, as to the way the prison front Vision plan had intended. And so <clears throat> what the planning commission did was they looked at all of the different sections and through this process, the issue of the building height and the mass of the buildings seemed to be the, the two biggest Um, issues for the general public. The City Council had suggested that the Planning Commission look at all of these codes and even had suggested a 28 foot height limitation in the Bridge Vista area. So with the additional discussions and the volume of the rest of the amendments that were not uh, objectionable or contentious, The Planning Commission broke the project out into two sections. The second part is the height and mass and the step back issues for the Bridge Vista area, the gross Square floor area, and two potential plan districts. These issues are not for discussion tonight and will be brought back to you after the Planning Commission has an additional public hearing and makes a recommendation. Um, What is before you tonight is clarifying conflicts within the code where one section did not quite jive with another, uh, adding clear and objective design standards for residential development. That is a state requirement when you have residential development so that developers can go through an administrative review rather than going to a commission. uh, And they have to comply to the letter of the code to use that process. Uh, It's also clarifying how to apply step-backs, existing versus new construction criteria. There was a problem during the appeal where it was not clear which criteria applied to which, so we reformatted uh, so that it specifically looks at existing versus new construction. Um, We added facade variation standards. So what that means is instead of having a blank wall with just uh, a few windows, that the the facade may have to undulate or it may have to have additional architectural features to break the the side or the facade up for some architectural variety. And then there were miscellaneous reformatting and clarifications throughout the entire code. The documents that were sent to you included the annotated version which was as we were developing the different codes why were we changing it and what it meant and then there was the actual ordinance itself which put everything in numerical order and then there was a list of the proposed amendments just in a, a list format for easy reference those are all of the documents that took out the height and uh, mass from the documents proposed for adoption. The staff report, or what the Planning Commission adopted as findings of fact, still referenced height and mass in that document. Tonight, you will not be reviewing the findings of fact or the staff report for adoption tonight. You will be holding a public hearing on the proposed amendments. <coughs> for your next meeting, staff will be revising the findings of fact to remove all references to the height and mass so that the findings of fact that will be presented to you for adoption at your next meeting will be clear and will reference the fact <coughs> that those are in part B of this amendment. So I apologize that that wasn't done ahead of time, it just got away from me, and I neglected to have that done. So you can take a rose back. (laughs) 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 Only one. (laughs) Um, So with that, uh, some of the other things are fairly minor in here in the amendments, but if you have any questions or specific issues, I'll address those.
4: And I, I have a few questions, but I think that you just clarified and I think that this is what Brett was saying earlier that those should be for next time. I had just read through and, and have seen a lot of numbers about height and mass. And just to be clear, so the plan district's language will also not be in what we will potentially be looking at next week or next meeting.
11: Correct, all you're looking at is the um, the ordinance that you have in your packet tonight. That is correct. Okay. And it does not include height or mass for the two plant districts. The question. only time the height and mass showed up incorrectly was in the finance of that. Correct,
4: okay, thank you so much. But
1: there's still quite a bit in here. I mean, that. The references to it, I've already been through it, yes. Yeah, and I'm sure you have. And thank you, first of all, Rosemary, for all of your work. As I've said before, um, you have that institutional knowledge that if we didn't have that to rely on, I don't know what we'd be doing, honestly. I mean, Brett's Brett's got a lot of it, too, but you've been here, I don't know how many years? 40. Yes. Just one little note, I didn't realize the entire stretch of the river trail was it called the River Walk? Mm-hmm. Right. The River Trail
11: is the entire length from the port to Alderbrook. The River Walk was the formal walk between Sixth and Seventeenth, from from the uh, Sixth Street viewing tower to the Maritime Museum, and that was because that was a more formal uh, type of construction with concrete sidewalks and bollard lighting. But that was the River
1: Walk was just a small portion of the entire trail. Okay, If I get into any area that I shouldn't be discussing, (laughs) yeah, let me know. Um, First of all, I was fortunate to be able to sit in on the design review hearings last year where the Fairfield Inn went before the commission because I was not on the council at the time. And then I sat in on the council appeal hearing. Again, I wasn't on the council at the time. Um, And I'm just wondering, one of the big sticking points was the word retain. The developer made the argument that it couldn't, there's no way that a new building could retain characteristics of a building that didn't exist there. And I won't, we don't need to rehash that argument. But I'm just wondering, how was that addressed? What we said is that
11: we broke out um, new construction from existing construction. And we put in the word respect rather than retain his any historic features. And so we also uh, kind of reformatted so that historic versus non-historic is a little bit clearer. But we took out the word retain. And so on new construction,
1: it's so that we respect any historic design in the area. Okay, but what if, for example, there aren't any adjoining or in the very near vicinity historic buildings. I can see a developer making the claim that, well, what am I to respect? There's nothing visible. Right, and it's not necessarily
11: historic. That's where we have it clarified so that uh, you're also respecting the the general development of the area. So if you have an area that has uh, smaller buildings, then we want that. To be respected rather than large buildings to overpower. Um, the section that that's in is more design oriented and orientation of the buildings. And so by, by identifying which buildings and what area that it'll be referred to, um, I think will help make it clear and separating out some of the historic from the non-historic
3: Okay. It may not
11: be perfect, and we may have to revisit well, again, but it's the best we can come up with right well, now for a way to do it. And Mayor, I also coming
6: comment. You know, these are uh, subjective criteria, and there is subjectivity built into this. So that's where the findings um, are prepared by, in this, this issue, case, this issue, the design review committee. And ultimately, if there was an appeal decided upon by the city council, so there, there are the clear and objective standards as Ms. Johnson had referenced, which is required by state statute, which says if you follow a prescribed set of, of guidelines, there is not a signed public hearing, but it's it can be built outright. However, if uh, the developer wishes to do something that is different than the clear and objective standard process, then they go into the, the um, the process, which has subjectivity associated with it, and sure. interpretation.
11: And I want to clarify: the clear and objective are only for residential, Correct. and so all commercial, we'll to, uh, a process.
1: hotel or a commercial building do, does have to go through the subjective right. list. Okay, um, and this is an area where I may be um, accidentally wading into territory I shouldn't be. But on page 163 of the agenda, or so, so article. So, you, if
6: you would give them maybe the document, because uh, um, Ms. Johnson, so you have a, a paginated one oh, as okay. your packet, and then she will
1: not. I wish I could scroll through my agenda quickly, but it's um, it's page one sixty three, Article D. But um, a quote from the document, it states that development should be designed so that structures are not substantially different in character. From the word I'm having trouble with is adjacent buildings in terms of size, mass, or architectural form. Now, I'm concerned about the word adjacent because to me that means a building right next door. And I just remember the Fairfield Inn, and this is where it shut me up if you need to, um, use the Astoria Warehousing Building as an example of a building that represented the mass of buildings in that neighborhood. Right, And that's gotta be far and away The (laughs) largest building in the city, I would guess. Mm -hmm. What we did. What we did was we defined, we have the definition of adjacent,
11: which is contiguous to, but then what we were looking at is um, somewhere in here, it does say that we're looking at buildings within visible within three blocks if it's historic. Okay. And so that kind of narrowed it down because uh, there was referencing reference to buildings in Uppertown or Union Town, that weren't visible from the site. Uh, we also are looking at, um, in a situation where you had the Astoria Warehousing was, is a large building, and it is adjacent to that site, we'll be looking at the entire area within, visibly, three blocks, and not just that okay. one building and while that one may be large, other buildings in that area were smaller in size, and so you'd be looking at that entire area, okay. not
1: just saying it's it's as large as that one building. All right, so adjacent in this context does not mean next to. Correct, it, it's visible within a three block area. Okay. From then, the public right of away. Um, and then regarding the parking requirements, we had a question from a constituent. So parking garages, and I don't know if this may be right. right. Okay, they're not part of the square footage. So the parking garages were
11: not part of the gross square footage during this review process. Um, if there was a suggestion to remove it, which would make the building smaller, because you'd have that you wouldn't have your uh, garage plus the number of rooms that they wanted for a hotel, as an example. But what okay. we were the planning commission discussed was what that does is encourages open parking lots, which are visually a problem as much as larger buildings, and so they opted to leave the garages as par- as excluded from the gross square floor area to encourage enclosed parking rather than surface parking. That makes sense. But then with that. Under the next meeting, <laughs> for the next uh, part B, they are looking at limitations in height and size of building. And so even though the garage may be excluded, the overall mass of the building would be limited. Okay, that
1: I, I didn't understand will it before, but that makes sense. It's to encourage not-surface open parking. Okay, and just a comment that the grass is, again, not being cut. In front of the old Stephanie's cabin, and so too bad somebody has to be reminded. But I think it makes you know a statement on our community, particularly in our busy season. So, but thank you again, Rosemary.
6: See you. So yeah, I want to just, just um, add on there if I could with regards to that question about the Tupper parking. You know, we, we look at buildings like uh, Dr. Park's medical building where there's the the Tupper parking there, and you know a lot of you know, to be able to get that that building mass and be able to have that type of you know, makes more efficient use of our of our already limited built environment. And that was kind of the the approach and the justification at least that the planning commission took in saying, okay, let's allow allow that to not be included in our overall mass to be able to encourage that type of
3: building form. Yeah, okay. oh, I Sorry, a follow up question on the
4: parking. Um, and forgive me if this does go into height restrictions but is there language to talk about um, how many levels for instance the parking
11: is or could be no we have not uh, addressed the number of levels
4: okay. i'm i'm assuming most of them would be single level for temporary parking but yeah
6: but well, i think as ms johnson said what we'll be discussing there will still be an overall cap in the, the building height oh, okay. there's what that will be coming at your Next, next uh, up uh, next up here. This is talking about mass, in terms of how much, what is the total amount of of enclosed area that could be use of a building, is, is, is what's being talked about
3: here.
6: Thank you. Yeah, I'll just
2: real quickly just like to say thank you again for the work you've done and going through that, um, what I see so far. It uh, looks really good, of course there's subjectivity in it, but you've really done some nice narrowing and some clarifying and taking, having a vision of, of what we might be looking at, so I appreciate that work and I can see it being really helpful, so thank you. thank you.
0: So at this time I'll open the public hearing. Does anyone object to the jurisdiction of the Astoria City Council to hear this matter at this time? A person speaking tonight should address their remarks to whether or not the application in question meets the necessary criteria, and if not, state why. The applicable criteria are listed in the staff report and may be obtained from the interim community development director, Mr. Estes. Failure to raise an issue in person or by letter to the council means an appeal of that same issue will not be permitted. If you wish to speak, please come forward to the microphone and give your name and address and your testimony for three minutes. No takers? Okay, sorry. Okay. And so before you begin speaking, sir, I'll just let me finish the the language I'm required to read. So uh, as applicant is the city, no presentation is required other than the staff report. Uh, presentation and now we'll do presentation by persons in favor of the application. Are you in favor of the application? I should have said that before you got up. So no, I apologize. Right. I'm,
9: I'm a, a, a resident of one of the buildings that would be blocked by the okay. applicant's
0: building. So, well, we're not discussing a specific building tonight. But, but I, I'm, I'm going to probably be in the category of perhaps against the application. So yes. if I again apologize for not reading that before you got up, is there anyone who would speak? Okay. Uh, in favor of the application, you can, there's a seat right here if you just like The real estate developer's talk. Okay, it sounds like there's no one taking me up <laughs> on my offer to speak in favor of the application. So, sir, you can come back that up. We haven't taken any of your seconds away yet. Uh, okay, a person's against the application.
5: What about it? That's awesome. well, we That's the
3: portrait? We
9: always have Apparently, we get to clog, get clogged by cars, and they all need to have parking spots. Uh, perhaps an off-site parking can be arranged and have uh, you know a car jockeys move their cars from the front of the hotel to uh, a place where they can park and it doesn't seem to be in, in, the, in the plan of most of these developments they just want to level everything and then stick a bunch of cars in it perhaps the developers would like to you know, establish submarine parking and they could it all under the river and uh, you know, out of sight and still have plenty of room. As long as they can keep from having the shipping run over it,
0: could we get your name and address before you? Robert go?
9: Clark, 145
0: Second Street. Thank you very much, Mr. Clark. Is there anyone else who would like to speak against the application?
9: Again,
8: are you going to ask for impartial? Yes, impartial. Please yes,
0: yeah. and please state your name and address.
8: Yeah. Uh, Lisa Morley, 4908 uh, Cedar Street. Uh, I would like to ask if it's possible. Rosemary going to this. Yeah. <laughs> Can we also maybe think about some not height restrictions per se, but uh, aesthetic restrictions also on the parking? Because I think that's I think big ugly parking lots are mm-hmm. just as bad mm-hmm. as any other big ugly building. I'd like to see if we can think about adding some architectural aesthetic components to the parking structures as well. And this is impartial because it's not about A, it is about B. I do have, I don't know how to ask this when the, I I did also not know until the night there's a difference between the river walk and the river whatever. (laughs) So the river trail. So I think my question is, I know it's for B, but. Are there potentially going to be different height and mass restrictions between those two uh, categories? Because I would hope to see uh, consistency between the trail and the level That's all I have. Could I respond just generally?
2: Sure. Just, my <coughs> understanding, just for clarification, my understanding is that we're not just doing the DDO, that we're, we're actually, a lot of these things that we're doing we're applying to other overlays as well. Um, I'm not sure if all the financing, all all these things, but we are sort of looking beyond
6: VBOs for consistency. Yeah, maybe it's I guess maybe
3: I'm
6: going to ask procedurally, Mr. Procedurally, Mr. City Attorney, and that the city is the applicant. Should Rosemary respond at the end, or do you have any concerns with her answering council questions along the way?
9: To legislative hearing, you can handle it anyway.
6: Ms. Johnson.
11: (coughs) Okay, to answer a couple of questions. uh, Number one, the parking areas, we currently have landscaping requirements that would help buffer parking from the pedestrian ways. There's internal landscaping requirements also. Uh, For any uh, parking within the building, the building envelope design criteria would apply to the parking area also that is within the building. Now for the um, question about the river trail versus the river walk and the design issues and question on height, mass, and scale, the code that's before you right now does not address the height issue or the mass or the bridge (coughs) vista. It does address the criteria for design review throughout the entire area for clarifications. The urban core portion of the Riverfront Vision Plan is 2nd Street to 16th Street. And the urban core portion, which happens to be the River Walk area, has not been codified yet. So that is the one we are still working on. And have put that on the sideline for a couple of months while we finish these code amendments. The Bridge Vista, which is the Port to Second Street, Civic Greenway, 17th to 40th Street, and all the neighborhood greenway, 40th to Alderbrook, those three sections of the river trail are in the code, and these will just modify or correct those sections. The river walk portion is within the urban core area, and we are still in the process of writing those, and so it's all open for discussion and public hearings when those begin. Does that answer?
3: Thank
11: you. Hey, The only
8: thing I'd add on the parking lot if it's a one surface i agree with the landscaping but if there's ever the possibility there would be two-story parking
11: that would be a structure and would come under design thank you
0: okay having given the opportunity to hear from those in favor those against those impartial and the rebuttal public hearing is now closed council discussion
2: Okay, second?
3: I'll
2: second. Aye. Yeah, roll call, Mr. Pierce. Councillor Herman? Aye. Councillor Brownson? Aye. Councillor West? Aye. Councillor Rocca? Aye. Mayor Jones? Aye. And please hold the first reading. An ordinance amending the Astoria Development Code concerning Riverfront Vision Overlay Zones, corrections, updates, and clarifications in multiple sections.
6: So Mayor, I would note that uh, this uh, proposed amendment will be scheduled for consideration of a second reading and potential adoption at your July 1st meeting. Thank you. Mm -hmm.
0: Item 6C is a public hearing and first reading amendment request A19-02 for transient lodging.
6: So the Planning Commission has held a public hearing on this code (laughs) amendment at their April 23rd, 2019 meeting. The planning commission is recommending the council adopt the proposed amendments dealing with transient lodging, uh, which are before you this evening. Um, and just to to reiterate, this is a kind of a follow-up to the uh, city code amendments, which were adopted by council this last December, uh, which established a, um, a homestay lodging permit. There was a phase two set of codes which were noted at the time which were needed to meet some council expectations to first of all be able to make the city code and the development code jive with similar language but also um, there was some direction provided by council uh, at that time to update the development code with regards to some types of of, uh, transient lodging. Um, I did receive a request from a counselor uh, asking um, how things were going on the homestay lodging permit, uh, and I asked to just give a brief uh, kind of update on, on that. Um, what I'll tell you is that um, we have to date 12 approved homestay lodging permits. Uh, we have eight, uh, approximately eight, that are in the queue. And uh, we uh, have uh, recently been contacting. Uh, individuals who may be operating a a, a a some sort of transit lodging via their um, their um, advertising platform um, and making contact uh, through through that platform themselves saying um, you do not have a permit um, you need to get said permit and, and so with that we've seen um, an uptick of calls uh, that, have been, that have been coming in. Uh, we also issued a press release and have been doing advertisements uh, to be able to try and get the word out publicly so that it's, okay. it's known about in, in the community as well. Um, you may recall that uh, the ordinance um, gave a time frame for individuals who had existing uh, permits to be able to operate transit lodging. Um, into, uh, the month of June. So, um, we're, what we're saying to folks is, you you need to get your applications in during the month of June. What we are telling people is, is that we're getting some nervousness now, where people are saying, "Hey, there's only 15 more days. Don't you know? Don't cite me if if I don't have it done." What we tell people is, get your application in, and as long as there's progress being made, we're not going to issue any citations. Um, but um, what? Uh, mm-hmm what you'll we'll be looking at doing is after we kind of get through this surge of new applications, um, I've asked uh, Heidi Duback who is uh, working uh, to be able to manage all the homestay lodging uh, permits, she's the planner who's uh, working with, with us to do that, uh, to go and uh, provide a bit more of an analysis and a breakdown in terms of um, how many documented um, um, lodgings that we see out there on, online and which one of those have been uh, have uh, received their permits. Um, we are learning some nuance about some of the platforms. Um, some of the, uh, the platforms which, um, some of which may have said they had a whole, a whole house rental, um, it appears as though some of the platforms have um, only two options to select either a room or a whole house. And if someone had an existing permit for a portion of their house which had a kitchenette in it, which again was permitted earlier, they call that a whole house rental in, in, in their advertising platform. And so what we're learning is some of these which may show, is, show up as whole house rental um, um, may not be truly what we would call a whole house rental um, but were permitted. Um, and have their existing uh, permits, but we're able to resolve that um, in making those, those connections. The advertising platforms don't have something that says partial half house rental um, and as a part of their, their drop-down um, selection process. So that, that's just a, a brief kind of update and synopsis on where we are. And uh, um, once we get through this kind of this latest surge, we we'll want to be able to come back to council and give a little bit more detail on where things today. Okay.
11: <coughs> okay. So for transient lodging, um, just for the good of everyone, just to quickly review the terminology because people use the terminology uh, incorrectly. Homestay lodging is a two, up to two <coughs> bedrooms, and must be owner occupied at the same time as a guest. A bed and breakfast is three to seven bedrooms, and it can be owner or manager occupied. Therefore, a renter could have been uh, bed and breakfast in a um, hole. An inn allows associated uses and can be up to 11 bedrooms. And again, it has to be owner or manager occupied. And then you have hotel, motel, uh, and other tourist lodging, which is not allowed in residential zones, only in commercial, non-residential zones. And it's lodging for guests, with no manager occupancy requirement so typically what you think of as a hotel or a motel and then along those same lines you have vacation rentals which is a home that is totally rented out and an owner is not in residence at the same time as the guest we have defined that to be the same as a hotel motel therefore vacation rental full home rental would not be allowed in a So when you, people talk about Airbnb or vacation rental by owner, those are advertising platforms and we have to classify it into one of these classifications. Your typical Airbnb is what uh, most people are referring to when they say for us, for homestay lodging, up to two bedrooms, owner occupied. So what the city council did was you adopted city code that addressed Homestay lodgings only, and as uh, City Manager Estes noted, we had to make sure that our development code, the land use side of it, was in sync with the city code. So we updated the definition so that they matched the city code, uh, we limited the conversion and or use of existing residential units in commercial zones for motels. This was a request of the city council when uh, we did the Homestead lodging. You stated that somehow you wanted to see buildings that were built as residences or used as residences do not to not be able to be converted into vacation rentals because you wanted to protect the housing stock. So we wrote drafted this so that you cannot convert it if it was originally built as and is used as a residence. However, we made an exception in there for buildings that were originally built as hotels with more than, I think it was three units, and uh, those could convert back to hotels even if they were used for residential. There's only a handful of those buildings and because of the size of the buildings, the nature of the way they were built, Um, we opted for that exception in there. Um, We also created uh, what's called a Type 2 Administrative Conditional Use Permit. And this was intended to make it easier for the citizens and cheaper to go through the conditional use process for homestay lodging and accessory dwelling units. Currently, you would have to go through the Planning Commission. That is uh, more costly, takes more time, And so by doing it administratively, it still goes out for public review. The general public has a right to respond and comment on the the application, but then staff makes the decision and staff's decision is appealable to the planning commission. So it saves uh, the citizens money and time and it saves the staff some time in not processing it through the planning commission. We also clarified some off street parking requirements so that we made it a little bit more flexible than some areas where they uh, appear to have the parking but it may not be uh, on their site. And I believe that's that here. We did that in the uh, miscellaneous code amendments that you uh, all approved tonight we made those parking requirements a a little easier, and then we clarified in this transient code how the parking is applied. So in most cases, the code amendments are basically bringing it in sync with the city code and what the city council directed us to do. Any questions? I had a quick question. So for
4: the second bullet point, the limiting of version of existing residential units is that when will that go into effect
11: when this this is before you tonight for a first reading if it receives the first reading tonight then we will bring it back to you on july 1st for adoption and second reading and then uh, all codes take 30 days to be enacted from the date of your adoption so that would be theoretically a August 1st. When it, it would go into law. Uh, with the conversion, the way we have it written, which may be part of your question, it says structures or portions of structures occupied as a residential dwelling after January 1st of 2019. So we put in a date of when that was occupied and or originally constructed as a residential dwelling may not be converted. So it, it set a date and time, which is a date that we were starting to work on this, mm-hmm. and for the beginning of the year, but this would not go into effect until August 1st. Okay,
4: and then will, will it be a similar process? Like, is this something that Heidi will be looking at as far as uh, looking into those who may not be compliant? Correct. Uh, when she
11: is doing the homestay lodging right now, um, that is the focus of what most people are talking about, but she's looking at all transient logic. Okay. As a staff, we don't differentiate and just do enforcement of one type. Okay, thank you so much. I, Thanks, Ms. Johnson.
1: I had a question, but I'm not sure if this is for you or my fellow council members or our city attorney, and that is um, on the other half of what uh, Councilor West was just talking about, Um, let's say we have an existing, it's originally built as a motel, um, and it's been converted to residences, but a new buyer wants to reconvert it back to motel units. Is it possible that we could add a clause um, stating that that conversion for an individual unit would not occur until the resident had voluntarily moved out, just to hopefully prevent any Evictions—that's a question for a city attorney. But I believe there are some state laws
11: as to eviction of residents. Is there getting a renter
1: out? Well, there, there are laws about residents in Tennessee. Yeah. Well, I, I'm just thinking—you know—I'll just use the Waldorf Merwin as an example, and the the new owners, Innovative Housing, it's is developing it as low-income housing primarily. But let's say. 50 years down the road, they sell it, and the new buyer wants to reconvert it back into a motel. Um, You've got 40 people living in that building. Is there a way we can protect them from getting evicted until they voluntarily want to leave?
0: So I'm thinking the topic of, correct me if I'm wrong, of renter protections would be a completely separate issue than what we're dealing with tonight, and that if the council wanted to look at local ordinances on. Rental protections that would be an entirely separate, very large amount of work for Ms. Johnson or our staff
6: members, or the city attorney. <laughs> this, is, this is actually a very, not as much a land use matter as much as a, a legal
3: okay. tenancy yeah. issue. So, yeah, because you're getting into a whole different set of code requirements
11: so at okay. state level. But, all
1: right, thanks.
2: So, please walk away. Just uh, real quickly, so I'm going going through these, this is for my clarification. So, for example, when type 2 conditional use include home state lodging in conjunction with an accessory dwelling unit, what is that? Just clarify what that means. Because I know we don't allow, right, we don't allow home stays in
3: ADUs.
11: Correct. An accessory dwelling unit is a secondary unit to your primary unit.
3: Correct.
11: We allow, through these codes that we're looking at now, we will allow homestay lodging in the primary unit. But if there's an accessory dwelling unit in that same structure, then it has to go through a conditional use permit and it's not an outright use. So an outright use in an R2 or R3 zone, it doesn't have to go before the planning commission. With the, R, uh, if it's an additional use, it either goes administratively or through the planning commission. So if you're talking about a primary residence that has an ADU, we're saying that if you're gonna have a homestay lodging, it has to be in the primary unit <coughs> and not the ADU.
2: I that might be. I just wanted to be, make sure I was getting that right, and because I also, and I did not mark down which section, but it, it I did see in there that um, homestays are allowed in ADUs and R two and R three zones.
11: In, in conjunction with. So it's still con-
2: it's still in conjunction with. It's not right. of, Okay, just right in R one zones
11: you cannot have an ADU and a homestay because the R one is a single family. Right. And by having an ADU, already have a second unit, right. and to put a homestay, you're putting three uses on a single family. Sure. Yeah. So, so in the R2, R3, it's in conjunction with, not in the ADU.
2: Just, AD. sure, just want to yeah, make sure of that, and uh, and just a note on the uh, when you're you're talking about the uh, uh, locating the distinction of vacation homes, and they're not all the vacation homes. Right. Sometimes they're just a portion of it. Just in my experience, uh, we, if you go past that and just read in the description of what they're offering, there's clarification, I yeah. you've seen that. Yeah, a lot of times, this
3: is one of
6: the things we that we verify is just to make sure that what's been described is also what's what's there. So we, that's why we have the the inspections as well as part of that, that home state lodging permit.
2: And then, and then finally, did did we somewhere put in? Because I remember talking about it that when we issue permits, that they are are we asking them to list that permit number on the yes, yeah. yeah. yeah, so yeah. on okay that they're supposed to put their
6: registration number on their advertising platform. All right. That's it.
3: Thanks. Sorry, Appreciate I it. one one quick follow-up
4: question on Tom's question. Um, is it possible under this code for uh, an Im- individual to have um, a short-term rental in the main residence, but then live in the ADU? No, because the uh, home state lodge must be owner-occupied. Okay, and that does not count even, okay. Correct, because you. they would be
11: in the ADU. So it was saying that they had to live in the home, in. the primary. And we went back and forth on whether to allow it uh, because it's in the same building. And we weren't sure that it could open up other problems. And so for right now, we decided to go with the primary unit only. And then as we get through this process more and see how it applies, then we could look at a change later if we find that's necessary. Okay, I like how it is
3: now. Okay. (laughs)
5: I just want to say I so much appreciate the direction we're going in with this. Um, Shortly after we moved here a quarter century ago, we had dinner one night with Lynn and Kramer, who was in Cannon Beach. And they mentioned to us that in the winter, they were the only two people on their block.
3: Mm -hmm.
5: We are proud of our community, our sense of community, our character here in Astoria. We don't want to go anywhere near in, in that direction. And I, I think the, the codes that we're putting in place and I think the, the permit process uh, is wonderful. I think the $1,000 fine is going to get the attention of anyone who, is, who wants to be a scofflaw. And we do have some of those now. Um, housing that isn't owner-occupied simply isn't allowed in residential areas. And that should help us with uh, another problem that's happening in some other cities where trusts buying houses in block to use for home state lodging. Basically, they're commercial enterprises and residential neighborhoods. And so I'm, I'm just so pleased with the direction we're going in, with here. And uh, um, I hope that anybody who has been uh, scoffing at the law and, and renting their house will get the message that it's going to cost them $1,000 a day very soon. Uh,
2: well, I have to comment Roger, that. You know, there really is a difference between Astoria and Cannon Beach historically, and, that, and we're very fortunate in Astoria that, that this is all just something that's starting here. I grew up in Cannon Beach, and when I was ten years old, after Labor Day, that town emptied out, and even back then, a huge major number of those houses were just vacation rentals or summer summer homes, and it was an empty town. There were empty blocks. People, So, you know, we're very fortunate to be in the place where we don't have to backtrack. We don't, don't have to fight against that. And I think we're caught in time. We're doing, I feel we're doing a pretty good job. Right, and the bottom line is
5: every one of those homes stay, every one of those homes is a place that local people can't live in.
4: That's right. Yeah, I, I want to reiterate that and thank Rachel Jensen. He's um, sitting in that or <coughs> Rachel, different last no, Okay. Okay. Um, and Rosemary and Bruce and Tom for your work on this with the last council because I used to come to a lot of the meetings and sometimes um, listen to the rather heated discussions around this and uh, I mean after reading the housing study I did not grow up in Cannon (coughs) Beach but to look and see that 60% of their housing stock nearly almost 60% of our vacation rentals was very eye-opening, and so I appreciate your work in
0: getting um, ahead of the curve on this. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. I'll now open the public hearing. Uh, Does anyone object to the jurisdiction of the Astoria City Council to hear this matter at this time? A person speaking tonight should address their remarks to whether or not the uh, application in question meets the necessary criteria, and if not, state why. The applicable criteria are listed in the staff report and may be obtained from Mr. Estes. Failure to raise an issue in person or by letter to the council means an appeal of that same issue will not be permitted. If you wish to speak, please come forward to the lectern, give your name and address, and your testimony. And we will first hear from persons in favor of these uh, amendments. Persons opposed to these amendments person's impartial.
9: There we go. Okay. There we go. <laughs> anyway, take advantage of my presence here. One issue. Well, One of the... Uh, the uh, Name and address. Uh, Robert Clark, 145, 2nd Street. That's right. Uh, one of the holes in this I, I find is uh, uh, hostels. Dormland has gotten an upscale, and so there's no longer any hostel for people with only uh, modest cost, uh, uh, overnight housing, particularly uh, as John might understand, the bicycle tourists. We have lots of them coming through here. they There's nothing between Portland, which has two, and Seaside, which has a converted motel for the youth hostel. So there, there is a whole category that I don't see any. Uh, Any addressing?
0: I'm gonna just take a guess here, Ms. Johnson, that what the gentleman refers to as a hostel would meet the legal criteria of a BnB and b or a motel, depending on how many rooms they have.
11: Uh, hotel, motel usually, but uh, it could be a and Someone could have a hostel-type uh, facility as a BnB and b in their home, as long as it's owner-manager occupied. And then we, I don't know if we still do, but we did have one hostel downtown, uh, at 13th, 14th Street, the Norblin. Yeah, Norblin still has hostel. I think they still have hostel up there. No, but they don't. It's a hotel, motel, or it could be yeah. in a- They they
9: just have individual rooms with a bathroom down the hall. They no longer have multiple uh, bunk beds essentially in, in a room that's shared, which uh, lowers the cost for individuals. <laughs> and of course, people on their bicycles don't need that much parking. <laughs> Thank you.
0: Did you have anything else you needed to say, Ms. Johnson? No. Okay. Public hearing is now closed. Okay. Any further council deliberation?
1: Um, yes. Mr. Elsteese, did you say that we've got 12 licensed homestay operators with eight in the queue? Is that correct? Yeah. That's for all, correct. For all of Astoria? Right. I'm really concerned by that number. Um, I just remember when... Um, my predecessor, uh, Councilor Sidney Price, did her own survey uh, going on, I think Airbnb and VRBO. She calculated, I think it was at least 60, but maybe as many as 100.
3: No, okay. Was that not yeah, accurate?
0: Her initial number was pretty high, but that's because places that 30 miles from here were listed as Astoria. I think it was oh, okay. about 41 or 42 that were actually within city limits.
1: Okay, I still, my sense, um, is that there are quite a bit more than 20 operators in town and and I understand your point that um, the, the uh, website platforms don't give somebody, an operator, the flexibility of listing only renting two bedrooms, for example, but I, I still believe there are whole house rentals going on in town. You know, I don't have hard evidence, but I just that no, a sense of it. no, no I want to make sure I'm clear to say
6: that I'm not saying that there are not. Right. I um, and I want to also be able to state that um, the individuals that we're seeing to come forward are and and go through the process are the individuals generally um, who may have had their homestay lodging permits and paying their transient lodging taxes already. Uh, there was some confusion from some of these individuals that they needed to get the new permit, um, and so that's what that's what we've been seeing more. Um, frankly, we have not been seeing um, many of the individuals um, who hadn't uh, received their their uh, approvals beforehand. Uh, they're the ones who are being, uh, continue to be more resistant to going through the process. And so, um, you know, I, I think my point is is that we're making progress, but by no means um, are we there yet. And we know that we're going to have enforcement issues and those code enforcement issues are most likely going to be the ones that were acting illegally beforehand do we have a way to get their
1: addresses from the platforms no no okay
6: so what that takes is sleuthing where what we do is we look at photographs on the fronts of the uh you know the, the pictures and note um known landmarks and uh be able to put uh you know, it's, it's a puzzle is, is really what it is sure um, um, we also understand that there's new routes uh, that, that these individuals are using such as Craigslist and other platforms and they put their uh, put their advertisements up when governmental entities are closed uh, so there is always uh, a way uh, for individuals to uh, try and and get around the system Yes. Yeah, so we can idea. offer a bounty, three uh, three month's pass to the aquatic center to rat somebody out. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> I thought the League of Oregon
1: Cities was working on um, some sort of legislative.
2: Um, so, so that 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 is a state of Oregon <laughs> actually actually um, working. There's some legislation, whether it's uh, moving right now or is still being crafted, but it has Thank to do with, with the state. Um, having to put it in a system that can track down and, and get addresses because they have uh, they're collecting transient tax too they want to collect that so okay. and we'll be able to take advantage
1: of that when they get that in place oh thank you for clarifying and just one last comment i'm not against home state lodgings per se i've been educated by a member of the audience here um, because it is a way for some people to be able to afford to buy a house or to buy um, a house in disrepair, which there are quite a few of in town. They may be the only affordable housing or home that person can afford, and uh, pretty much under $200,000. So for that person, it's a way to you know, own a home and fix it up, but they have to pay their city lodging tax. Um, they have to pay their license, so that's my concern. And the big thing guys.
5: That's what makes the difference between a house that's, that's where you actually have a neighbor
4: of person living there and a house that somebody has purchased just for the purpose of commercial interpretation. Well in the in the housing study too, it they it was made very clear how that actually inflates the real estate market. So when that is assumed to be something that one can do to offset the expense of buying a house. So that,
1: that data I found pretty fascinating. From
0: there. So, if we could have a uh, motion to approve a amendment request A1902 on transient lodging, or to the whole first reading, I'm sorry.
2: I so move. Uh, first reading to request the, uh, for transient lodging uh, A19-02. I oh, second. Roll call, Mr. Williams. Council Member Aye. Councilor Brownson. Aye. Councilor West. Aye. Councilor Rocket? Aye. Mayor Jones.
0: Aye, right, first reading, Mr. Pearson, please.
2: An ordinance amending the
5: Astoria development plan concerning <coughs> transit lodging citywide.
0: Okay, we have three items left. Thank you, Ms. Johnson. Thank you for my Enjoy your flowers. <laughs>
5: oh, thank you very <laughs> <Jen>, much. <laughs> <his laughs> uh, I think it was appropriate having our parks director.
10: <laughs>
0: Bless. Uh, so it's 8:40 p.m. We're going to take a 10-minute recess and return for the final three items. Session and the, uh, the true hardcore fans of Astro City Council are remaining, and the other lightweights have moved on to better pursuits at local breweries. Probably <laughs> yeah, you
1: so, uh, just
3: uh,
0: <laughs> next item, our uh,
6: item 6d is the water and sewer resolutions. And two. So, the public works uh, fund budget was approved by the budget committee and adopted by council on June. Third, provides for increases in rates and fees for water and sewer services. So for this next fiscal year, there's a proposed 1% increase for water rates and a 1% increase in sewer rates. So two resolutions um, were included in your packet and have been prepared to implement fiscal year 1920 water and sewer rules and regulations. In addition to the rate adjustments, um, there was a modification. Made as well as a housekeeping measure in the water resolution, there's a provision for a commercial adjustment um, which um, was amended to add clauses sunsetting this adjustment and allowing the one existing user to be grandfathered. Um, this was um, an uh, economic development uh, tool that was put in place um, back in the 1980s uh, for primarily for industrial development. And um, at this point in time, it's felt by staff that um, this uh, program should be sunsetted out, uh, but allowing the one user to continue to remain, uh, to, to use it. So uh, it's recommended that city council adopt the proposed water and sewer resolutions for fiscal year 2019-20. I want note that there are two separate motions with two separate votes required as the water rate increases included in one resolution and the sewer rate increases included in another.
1: Discussion. Well, all I would say is that for my $150 every other month bill, it would amount to about $1.50. So 75 cents a month, so it's not very much, if I did the math correctly.
4: Yeah, I, I know everybody cringes a little bit at rate increases, but uh, just in talking about this more in depth and, and um, getting to know public works better, this is so necessary
5: what we've learned is that in astoria we are drinking some mighty fine water yes we, we are, are. everybody who's wasting their money on bottled water be uh, a lot better off just get out of the tap and saving all that money
2: well i'd like to make a, a motion to adopt the proposed water resolution for fiscal year 2019-20 i will
4: second that roll call mr harrington yes,
1: Councilor Aye.
0: Councilor West? Aye. Councilor Rockwell. Aye. Emergency. Aye. May we have a second resolution, or second motion?
2: Well, I'd like to move to adopt the proposed sewer resolution for the fiscal year 2019-20. I'll second that. Chief Crutchfield? Councilor
1: Herman? Aye. Councilor Brownson? Aye. Councilor West? Aye. Councilor Rockwell.
7: aye. I.
0: Item uh, 6D is the IAFF contract, and or 6E, sorry, and 6F is the Fire
6: salary Resolution. I understand you're going to
0: discuss them both together. That's correct.
6: So the International Association of Firefighters, Local 696, and the City of Astoria have been bargaining a new collective bargaining agreement or contract. And the prior contract expired on June 30th, 2018. Uh, What has been provided to you tonight is a contract which has been tentatively approved by both parties and is prepared for council consideration. Um, Just to give a summary, what is included in the contract um, is first of all, a cost of living adjustment for 2018, 19, and 20 of 2%. Um, Additionally, contribution of a health, into a health reimbursement account uh, in the amount of $60 per month starting July 1, 2018, and then 120 a month on July 1, 2019, $180 a month on July 1, 2020, um, and additionally, uh, one hour of additional vacation uh, accrual starting in 2020. Uh, there were some other uh, text changes uh, to the code, um, one dealing with what is referred to as the Janus decision, which is a certain Supreme Court case dealing with uh, union membership. Um, there's uh, language which needed to be changed in the uh, in the contract, um, as well as there were uh, it was found that um, there were some needed changes with uh, regards to conversion of a 56-hour work week to a 40-hour work week, which happens uh, sometimes when. Um, someone may need to transition uh, due to training or to if someone is uh, injured and need to shift a, a different schedule. Um, there are also uh, some amendments made with regards to vacation uh, buyout. Um, and so those are the uh, changes that were, were made uh, uh, to, the, uh, to the, uh, the draft agreement. And it's recommended that council approve the collective bargaining agreement um, tonight. Uh, I'd also note that um, in order to process uh, any uh, retroactive pay checks because this contract goes back uh, in time to uh, the beginning of this fiscal year, what is needed is a salary resolution uh, for council to be able to consider. Therefore, that is being presented to you tonight for the 2% retroactive adjustment Uh, to July 1, uh, 2018, Uh, and so this will allow our finance department to begin processing those retroactive paychecks for our fire department staff. So it's recommended that council consider and approve uh, the adjusted salary resolution. Well, I just want to thank you,
0: and Ms. Brooks, who's not here tonight, uh, the many, many, many hours spent on very robust negotiations, visible to the public. Uh, that take place in order for us to move forward on these issues. And Chief Crushfield, thank you for your leadership as well. And I know this reflects a lot of hard work, and I think it's a good, a good package.
2: Yeah, I don't have much more to add. Pretty premise is it all. Um, I think we've got a pretty fair deal here, and um, uh, I think you did good work. And, you know, to get, I know it takes a lot of this is retroactive is so going back to 2018 is when the last contract was up, and you know, so you know, I, I hope I'm always hoping that as we move forward and we get in these negotiations, we get there, you know, in time for the deal. It uh, helps budgeting issues and whatnot, but I know that we plan our budget knowing that there will be some retroactive pay involved, and, and so we're okay. So, again, I appreciate the, the good
1: Well, is there any other discussion? Otherwise, I'm happy to make a motion. Please do. All right. I will move that we adopt IAFF contract and salary resolution establishing basic compensation plan cost of living wage adjustments for fire employees retroactive to July first, 2018.
6: So, so, uh, Councilor, Woodman uh, we First, we need just a, approval of the collective bargaining agreement or the contract before we would have the salary resolution. So, okay. so if, if you would just want to maybe just uh, have um, a, a motion to approve the collective bargaining sure. agreement, um, which would begin July 1, 2018, and then we can maybe move on to the resolution.
1: Okay. I will move that we adopt the collective bargaining agreement with IAA, IAFF, retroactive to July 1, 2018. Does that do it? That's great. Okay. Second.
0: All in favor? Aye. Opposed? And now, uh, Council Herman, would you like to make that other?
1: Yes, if I can. I will move that we adopt the salary resolution establishing basic compensation and plan cost of living wage adjustments for fire Aye. employees retroactive to July 2018, 1st 2018.
0: I will second that. And roll call, Chief Spalding. Councilor Herman? Aye. Councilor Robinson? Aye.
6: Hi. So. so Mayor, I, I do want to say that I think that we have a great, in addition to our great team in all of our departments, you know, I, I, you know I'm, I'm very pleased now. You know, there are a lot of, there's been a lot of transition in our fire department and a lot of milestones have been accomplished um, very recently. Um, you know, between, um, you know, the hiring of Chief Crutchfield, you know, the recent promotion of, of uh, Deputy Chief Corbett, um, you know, being able to get the, this union contract complete, you know, I'm, I'm really very pleased that, that we have a, a, a good working team over the department and I knew there are a bunch of great folks over there and I'm glad to be able to have um, that department um, now to, prime, to be able to push forward and, and make other new and uh, changes <coughs> and transitions, which I'm sure will be coming positive um, moving forward. And, and I just want to thank um, Chief Crutchfield for his work as well, for I
0: that cheers.
6: Alright, so um
0: that was the last item because we already did 6G. That is correct. So now uh we'll open it for any public comment. Would anyone like to come speak on any other matter which we have not already addressed? Don't
8: look at <laughs> me, Bruce. <laughs> Mr. Clark, I see you're gonna take advantage
0: of Alright, <laughs> <I was wondering. laughs>
9: I'm picking here once more. <coughs> Clark and <laughs> uh, I have had multiple contacts with the, the public works office on my way back from paying my water and sewer bill on the third floor, uh, trying to get a little uh, incentive to uh, take care of the large blackberry thicket on the west side of the fence of my property which is creating a a, a real challenge for me trying to control it on my side of the the fence. And uh, so far there has been uh, commented, well we will get a work order, we'll get right on, it." but I'm I'm seeing no action, so I thought I would uh, mention it among this particular group and see if there's any additional uh, incentive. Okay, make
0: sure that um, you have a chance to talk to Mr. Harrington before you leave. The meetings to be over momentarily and that he has your address and then we'll see what, uh, what the status of that is. It's
9: been kind of hard to run my weed whacker in 71 years old. Mm-hmm. Michael, you need a little help from me on the other of the fence.
0: Thank you.
6: Okay. Mr. Clark, you know Mr. Harrington over here if you chat with yeah. that? Okay.
0: Any new uh, items from the council?
3: All right, we're adjourned.